Relevant content for our members by our members. This is TMC Connect. All right. Hello and good afternoon to everybody out there. I want to thank everybody for joining in to today's TMC Connect web broadcast entitled Erla. Uh, Not just another four-letter word. Uh, We're fortunate enough to have longtime uh, TMC preferred partner, Matchbox, and a pair of great subject matter experts leading today's discussion, really focused on uh, not waiting for, you know, a potential uh, another 12th hour delay to the early rollout. And, you know, despite the massive amount of volume lenders are seeing out there, uh, sort of a playbook that Matchbox has put together, um, uh, you know, on considerations that lenders need to be thinking of and making now to prepare themselves for uh, the March 1 official rollout. Privileged to have uh, our preferred partner, Matchbox, help lead today's discussion, and a pair of great subject matter experts will be guiding you through today's call. So first off, we have President uh, with Matchbox, LLC, Frank Fiore, as well as Senior Systems Analyst, Michael Schott. Uh, good afternoon, Frank and Michael. Really appreciate you gentlemen joining us and taking time out of your busy schedules for uh, today's call. Oh, thank you, Tom. Pleasure to be here. Always a pleasure to have you. So on that note, I'm not going to waste any more time. We're going to jump right into today's discussion. I'm going to turn it over to Frank. And uh, Frank, the floor is yours to kind of kick things off from here. All righty, Tom. Thank you so much. Um, following up on a number of your points, um, we've been a, uh, a very happy and uh, a TMC member since almost the beginning, uh, probably coming up on five years now, uh, between Matchbox and my sister company, Ignite. Um, we just want to thank you and all the members of the TMC um, that have been great supporters of both companies, um, give great feedback, and um, util- have utilized us for uh, many of our product offerings. So I uh, want to thank you for this opportunity and also thank all the members out there that have um, worked with us in the past and, and hopefully we'll get to learn a little bit more about us today. So just to give you a little bit of background and uh, about the company and how it ties into this topic is um, I formed Matchbox 10 years ago. We just celebrated our 10-year anniversary this year uh, as a mortgage banking consulting firm focusing on operations uh, with focuses on, uh, that focuses on mortgage banking operations uh, with core focuses on technology and secondary execution. Uh, And Erla um, really encompasses all of that in that it is a industry-wide effect that has uh, company-wide ramifications uh, with a lot of technology implications. So we have been working with clients for uh, over 18 months now um, on the Erla conversion because it's been delayed a few times. And uh, so we have been working with not only the, uh, the technology piece, but also how, it, how all the areas of your firm and all the other systems that it's going to be affected and uh, what that will translate and, and helping clients manage through this uh, process in the midst of record-breaking volume. So uh, it's really a, a project that, that suited for us. Uh, we wor- we're working with a lot of TMC members already, and we want to today spend some time on explaining, A, the industry, what the, what the change looks like, uh, the depth 
and uh, the services that we're providing, but more importantly, just give you an overview of um, you know, the, the importance of this and, and the details that you maybe you need to focus on. Uh, you know, we've worked with a lot of clients and understandably they are going through a tremendous amount of, of, of volume activity and increases, which is great for the industry. Um, but at the same time, they're also putting um, this Erla topic on the back burner and thinking that they'll be, have time for this to roll into it uh, maybe towards the end of the year uh, at the start of next year. And from our perspective, you know, we've been working on this for um, 18 months, like I said, and uh, we're still learning items about it. There are new items that are coming into play every day, and there are new items uh, and new perspectives that we're learning uh, as things are changing. So um, from our perspective, we felt it was such a big enough change that Michael is my sole resource within my team that's working on all of our earlier engagements. Um, so he is our earlier resident expert, so to speak. Uh, and he's able, and I did that purposely to ensure that um, the, the experience from an earlier perspective is, is singular from one person. And the, uh, the experience this is, or the items that come up can be shared throughout all of the clients that are going through the transition at the same time through one voice, through one resource. Um, so with that, um, I want to hand it over to Michael, who's going to walk through the overview of our presentation. And uh, if you have any questions when we're done, uh, be more than happy. So thank you. Michael, you Great. can take Thanks. Thanks, Frank. Um, hello, everybody. And uh, we'll just go through the presentation. There's a couple of uh, background high-level slides, and then we'll really get into the meat of Erla. And then we have what we call our, our Erla playbook. Um, which is our way of organizing um, what needs to be done for Erla, getting ready for it. So uh, just a little bit of background. Erla, um, known as Freddie Mac 65 or Fannie Mae 1003, standardized document. Um, and the ULAD is the Uniform Loan Application Data Set. Uh, it's just the data that goes behind the uh, Erla. So um, the scope of the changes, um, it has a couple of uh, objectives. Um, one is just to update the Erla to be more relevant for today um, and therefore more useful. Um, they also want it to be more standard, um, and we'll see some of the new documents that come out of it do, in fact, mimic the LE and the CD um, to uh, get to that standardization. Um, and then they wanted uh, standards for AUS, um, uh, update the MISMO 3.4 to the new Erla data fields. So there's a lot of new um, data points that are added. Um, it, what it does is uh, map each of the fields uh, from the MISMO 3.4, um, and you're going to have to use the ULAD, the new ULAD, to submit, submit data to DU and LP um, when we start using the redesigned ERLA, not if we start using it. Uh, I know there's been delays, but it, it is coming and coming quickly. Um, New concepts to consider. Uh, there's a new uh, homeowner counseling section, some language preferences, uh, new liens on the property, declarations have changed uh, quite a bit, uh, which affects many areas. And then there's these new other uh, concepts, verification of other assets, verification of other income, um, all new in the Erla. Really quickly, the impact. 
Uh, don't think it's just uh, consumer engagement or origination. It is across the board because there's a lot of new data that's coming in. So it's going to affect processing and underwriting. Um, compliance is always involved in everything, keeping us to the straight and narrow, of course. Um, and then it gets into e-closing, uh, what you send to your investors, um, and then down the road, uh, reporting and analytics, if you have a data warehouse, for example. <coughs> Timeline, uh, most important there is highlighted in red. Effective mandatory is March 1st. Um, must begin using the new ERLA with the ULAD standard. Um, open production begins on January 1st, 2021. So you are able to run a pilot from January 1st to March 1st. Um, something to keep in mind. So as you can see, I should have had a you are here type uh, sticker on here. Um, we're in early to mid-September now, so there's not a lot of time left to uh, get everything ready. So what does the early look like? The current versions on the left and the redesigned is on the right. Um, as I mentioned, it is the redesign is much more like the new LE and the CD that's intentional. The GSEs used the same design for firms that created the forms um, to do the redesign for the 1003 ERLA. Um, it, it's larger font, it's a little bit clearer um, what is needed to be entered. Um, there's new contact information, there's a work phone that's specific to the borrower and co-borrower, et cetera. Uh, one of the key concepts to understand is that it's borrower pair-centric. Um, all data for a pair of borrowers was listed on the same set of four pages before, but now if we go to the next page, um, each borrower gets their own set um, uh, on the 1003. Um, for those of you who use Encompass, this is not changing in Encompass. Um, it still is the way we're used to it, where there's a borrower on one side, co-borrower on the other side. You can still have additional borrower pairs, et cetera. But the actual form, when it prints, it prints borrower-centric. Uh, another key concept is uh, that it's more dynamic. So before, we had a single four-page document for two borrowers, pretty predictable in size. Um, afterwards, we have multiple pages for each borrower, multiple additional uh, and or optional addendums, and therefore the size is no longer predictable. Um, one of those uh, things that is affected is joint application. Um, it, there's new GSC guidance. I won't go through this in detail, um, but if you're applying for joint credit, uh, there's multiple applicants on the loan. Um, the multi-borrower scenarios is changing. Um, the uh, application should be reflected as individual. Um, there's a new joint indicator that's uh, automatically calculated if the borrowers is greater than one to help uh, handle this. And what that translates to, just a little bit graphically, um, there's four scenarios laid out here. One is where we just have borrower information. Pretty straightforward, they get a 1003 with their borrower information. Scenario two, they get the borrower information, and then there's an optional lender loan information. I kind of refer to it as an LE light. It's kind of like the LE, but a little bit less information. Then scenario three, we have that, plus we have a uh, continuation sheet if we would need that. And then scenario four, we might have an unmarried addendum that we need with the new ERLA. So you can see how it's a variable size. 
for joint applications, it gets even a little uh, crazier. Um, we could have just our simple borrower and borrower, co-borrower, or we could have a borrower and a new concept of an additional borrower uh, page, the one shown in green there. Um, and then you can see that uh, based on the previous scenarios, we saw that you, you can see that it is also a dynamic, um, the, the results of that can be very dynamic, how many pages a borrower gets. Uh, another item that's new for the Erla, there's a does not apply. So if you click that, it actually shrinks down. Um, it doesn't print that section. Um, it just prints the title for that section. It doesn't print all that detail. So that's another reason that the Erla can be dynamic because if you actually click those does not apply, you can uh, shrink down the uh, actual printout of the Erla uh, and make it a little bit nicer for the borrower so they don't have to skip through all the stuff that does not apply. So. Here's where we get to the meat of uh, the Erla. There's some changes that, uh, new functionality that's available for Erla, um, where it, you really have to make decisions uh, for your business. For example, you can now print the loan ID or you can print the universal loan ID or known as the ULI, um, or you can print both on your uh, 1003 printed applications or on your e-disclosures. Um, so that's a choice that you have to make with Erla. Um, you can print either the borrower information or this new concept of an additional borrower information where this additional borrower does not get all of the uh, information that the borrower would get. Maybe in a scenario where you have parents and children um, applying for the same loan, the parents don't want the children to have access to all their assets and income, et cetera. Might be a scenario where you would use that. Um, we talked about the does not apply. Um, well, there's the new lender loan info page, whether you want to use that or not. You can change how pagination is handled. Um, and then how does all of this affect your investor delivery, for example? Um, do investors want the loan ID? Do they want the ULI on it? Or do they want both now? Um, and then uh, tremendous impact is any customizations and or plugins that you're using today um, if you have any custom screens that you built that have Erla fields or 1003 fields on them, you have to update those. Um, we'll, we'll go through some of the fields that are changing just as an example in a little bit. So just running through some of those um, uh, questions that you have to ask, those business decisions that you have to make. Um, here's the one with the loan ID, the universal or ULI, um, or printing both. And this is from Encompass specifically. Um, but it's a checkbox on each file. So you can make this dynamic. You could have on conventional loans, we just want to print the loan ID, but on VA or uh, FHA uh, or in the state of Texas or whatever you want, it's dynamic. You can create a trigger that would um, change that dynamically. Uh, additional borrower is also a checkbox. So again, you could have uh, uh, leave it as a manual update. You can have somebody manually check the box, or you could have a trigger that would automatically um, update that, or you could just choose not to use it at all. Uh, here's the example of the lender loan info pages. Uh, checkbox, again, you can manually update it, you can update it with a trigger, um, you can not use it at all. Pagination's pretty straightforward. They're just giving you some more options now. You can just have pages on each page numbers on each page as you do today. You can also have them grouped by sections or you can have no page numbers on them at all if you'd like. 
this is a big question. Um, will you allow conversion of 2009 files to 2020 ERLA files? Um, Encompass does have functionality where you can do this uh, manually. Um, where you will need to do this is if you have a, two, a file that starts as a 2009 file, for example, in February of 2021, um, it does not trigger for an app. And then in March of 2021, after the mandatory start date, it does trigger for an app. That file will have to be converted from 2009 to 2020. Um, how do you want to handle that conversion? Do you want to let your LOs convert it? Um, do you want to have them submit a ticket to a uh, help desk or to compliance? Um, some questions that you have to answer. Uh, this is a new optional language preference. You can actually hide this section in Compass now. Um, Ellie May made that an option. Um, uh, whether you want to collect this for marketing data or um, if you have Spanish-speaking LOs um, that you want to route them to it, th this is now available. Marriage status has changed quite a bit. Uh, we still have our married and separated and unmarried, but under unmarried, we now have uh, a lot more definition. Um, you can say yes, no, is there a person who is not your legal spouse, but who currently has real property rights similar to those of a legal spouse? And if you say yes, you can define what is that domestic relationship type, um, and you can even specify what state that is in. So um, a lot of uh, additional data collect, collected there. This is also, uh, if you do FHA, secondary residence, you can see on the right there next to the investment property, there's a new radio button. Um, where you can specify if it's an FHA secondary residence. So what does all that mean? What is the impact? Um, there's going to be impact, I can't stress this enough, not only for your LOs to originate, but all the way through the pipeline. So your processors, your uh, underwriters, closers, post-closers, there's quite a bit of change here. Um, there's no impact to the RESPA 6, the Fed 6 that uh, we collect and trigger an app. Join applications, um, there is a great deal of impact there. So updating policies and procedures, how you wanna handle that um, is important. And uh, anything for the marital status that we saw, the civil unions, domestic partnerships, et cetera, um, all have to be updated for policies and procedures. We'll go on to the next page. So training, um, Matchbox does provide training, um, both uh, reference material and online um, recorded training so that uh, it can be referred to uh, as often uh, and whenever uh, your users would need that. Um, who's gonna need training? Really everybody, originators. Um, a lot of them can today fill in a 1003 with their eyes closed. They won't be able to do that for at least a little while. Um, until they get familiar with the new uh, ERLA. Um, operations, the location of new fields, um, where gifts and grants are recorded has changed. Um, other income, there's new sections for. Employment is changing as well. Um, compliance needs to be experts in understanding changes, um, answering questions and presenting that to uh, the end users. Um, and then I, I kind of touched on this, there needs to be a transition period where if you're going to uh, have files that uh, trigger for an app before the mandatory deadline on March 1st, so in February, let's say, for example, 
if they start as a 2009 file, they have to finish as a 2009 file. So even after March 1st deadline, you're still going to have most likely um, 2009 files, and you'll also have 2020 files at the same time. So you'll have to build out um, all your business rules, all your custom input forms, uh, custom print forms. Uh, all of that will have to be able to accommodate not only the new 2020, but also the existing 2009 for some amount of time while there is that transition period. So uh, a little more clearly, what does Matchbox provide? Um, Frank, I don't know if you want to speak to this one a little bit um, sure. or if you'd like me to. Sure. So like I said, we, we have a dedicated engagement, uh, like, uh, like Michael has referenced uh, many times, uh, the bulk of our work is Encompass-based. So uh, many of the items that you're seeing and many of the support that we're, that we're speaking to is uh, in the Encompass, speaking, spoken from an Encompass perspective. Um, but there are other potential options that we can help you with your LOS, if nothing else, to, to basically give you a guide on, on helping uh, what you need to be looking for and, and what you need to be uh, understanding from an overall project perspective and also test case scenario and timeline. Um, from a timeline perspective, just, just going back to, we don't need to go back to the slide, but just from a timing perspective, um, the, a big component of this change, which I would consider to be on the TRID level, is the AUS's DUNLP are updating as well, and it's going under a new file format. Um, those file formats are not going to be able to be run until January 1. So provided that um, you're, you're going to wait until the last possible minute to implement, which is March 1, um, you will only have a January 1 through March 1 um, short period of time to have all your systems updated and able to run end-to-end uh, -end testing through onto the AUS, which is a big impact of the change. So keep that in mind from a Windows perspective, from a timeline perspective, um, that uh, uh, what you're going to need to get done in a short period of time. So, uh, you know, we're happy to help you in any way that we can, uh, but we spent a lot of time on this and we've gotten a lot of, um, you know, a, a lot of input and information. And if you, we also anticipate, um, like the Humda 2018 change, that there'll be a series of subsequent impacts from a technology and updates from a, from a technology standpoint, being that your LOS, POS, um, or document providers are going to be making um, post, post due date uh, changes that you're going to need to implement and work through your process. Uh, having Michael as our sole resource, that's another reason that he'll be the first one to see these changes and be able to um, communicate them and determine the impact of them across all of our clients. So um, with that, uh, what we wanted to do is um, quickly just go through um, a uh, one of our workbooks that we go through as part of our process, just to give you the depth of the changes that um, we are providing for our clients in terms of just to give you a little sneak peek as to the level of, of impact and how many items are changing um, for the process. So Michael, if you want to show us a, a copy of the playbook, that would be great. Right. Um, hopefully everybody can see my spreadsheet that I have uh, here. 
Is that visible? Yes, sir. Okay. So uh, we have a lot of tabs, and I'll just go through them uh, in the important ones and highlight them. The first one is uh, for our project management, we have our EARLA phases. Um, these are the items that need to be addressed for EARLA for your environment to be ready. Um, one of the first ones is making sure that your test and production environments are in sync. Um, we do this in the test environment for obvious reasons um, because it is a pretty major impact and we don't want to affect production in any way until we're ready. Um, we, we've broken them down into uh, four phases, so um, and they're really uh, bite-sized pieces. Um, that's the purpose of it. Um, but a lot of it is looking through uh, your settings and um, updating your environment um, so that you handle uh, the changes for Erla. And what do I mean by that? Uh, this business role inventory tab is kind of the meat of uh, Erla, uh, the analysis that has to be done. Um, the items that we look through are uh, anything that's customizable in Encompass pretty much at a very high level. So for example, we look through your milestone completions. What we'll do is we'll go through your settings and we um, take every milestone completion. If you have uh, 50 of them, we list all 50 of them here. Um, if you have you know, dozens of field data entry rules, we would list them in here. And then we, and we do that for all the different types of settings um, that are customizable. Then we go through each one. So we go through the very first milestone completion and we open it up and we make sure that there is no impact to any of the fields. What fields are we looking for? Um, there's two tabs here that uh, outline what we're looking for. One is, uh, this is provided by Ellie May. Um, it is uh, all the fields that will be on the new Erla, um, organized by part, which is really pages, they just call it parts now, um, listed out. More importantly, um, this is uh, Matchbox's uh, proprietary information. Um, we found all of the fields that are being changed and we're, we have them listed here. And then we uh, have the description, um, what field are they changing to? So this is the current field, um, what they're changing to, and then any comments about it. So just to take you through a very simple example, field 11 is a subject property address. Um, it's being split into three new Erla fields, Erla.x73, 7475. But Ellie May is taking those three fields and they're concatenating them, the values back into field 11. Um, so we, we know when we're going through all of your different rules, so for example, the milestone completion rules, what we're looking for are any of the fields that are affected. So if field 11 was in a milestone completion rule, we're looking for that field 11 um, and making sure that gets updated to the X73, et cetera. Um, you can see there are quite a few fields here that are affected. The declarations are uh, very much affected, address fields, there's assets, income, uh, employment. There are a lot of fields that are affected. Um, and having a list of all of the different rules, triggers, um, custom field counts, alerts, custom print forms, everything that's customizable, uh, and going through that to analyze for any kind of impact, um, this is a great way to go about that. We then also create um, uh, scenarios for testing so that we know um, uh, we're thorough in our testing for uh, user acceptance testing. Um, and then we create a go live list where we everything that we do in the test environment, we include in here so that when we're ready to go live into the production environment, we don't uh, miss anything and we have a complete uh, update. 
Um, and that is how we uh, organize that. So I can go ahead and stop sharing my screen here. And then I can uh, turn it over uh, either to Frank, if you wanted to add any to anything to what I just said, or uh, we could start taking questions as well. No, Michael, thank you. You did a great job as usual in, in portraying the depth and the complexity of this change. So thank you so much. I appreciate it. And uh, Tom, happy sure. to answer any questions uh, that the audience may have. I think you're muted, Tom. Sorry about that. Uh, Michael, appreciate the heads up and uh, you taking the time to kind of go through that, um, you know, that proprietary internal view just to kind of give some additional color, uh, you know, to the overview that that you and Frank presented for um, the attendees on the line today. I think it's really insightful and kind of helps, uh, you know, pull the full scope of understanding together for how much is really adapting to these uh, new early changes. So on that note, uh, open it up to our attendees. Any questions that you may have for Michael or Frank today, please feel free to submit those via the chat Q&A function. Um, do have a few in the queue already. So first one I've got here is, um, early is much more disruptive to my Encompass environment than I expected. This might be somewhat off topic, but can Matchbox conduct an encompass system review uh, to help me see kind of where we can internally build up our system in a better way? And the thought process behind that question is, you know, kind of thinking about using Erla as an excuse to clean up and automate parts of encompass that uh, the company hasn't gotten a chance to address yet. Uh, sure. Thanks, Tom. Um, Great question. We can, you know, of course, that part of our initial stage of the process is doing a full analysis of your Encompass environment. And that's one of the reasons why, um, you know, Michael's prerequisite is to have your test environment uh, looked at because that's in sync with production because that's what we'll be reviewing. Uh, and with that, we get a much, you know, a deeper feel as to, you know, the complexity of your environment. Um, a lot of, um, you know, a lot of environments that we are visiting for the first time are showing a lot of legacy aspects to it of legacy code and development that's done that's not being used that could be affecting performance. So we're looking to, to potentially help in cleaning that up. But uh, another big ask, so we, so it, the answer to that is of course, yes, we can do that. We do that all day, every day. Um, in addition to that, where I also think is, um, which is probably going to be underestimated, but, this is going to be an industry-wide um, required item, which, uh, which is going to bring your company together for a training perspective. And if you are looking to implement something like a day one or a new POS, or really looking to increase adoption of some sort of technology that you've been waiting for your staff to get their attention, um, you're going to have, the industry is gonna force you to bring everyone to the training table over uh, you know a 60 30 you know a 60 90 day period and get them to focus on new items so you could utilize Erla in order to bring them to 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 your benefit to really drive home other aspects that you've been trying to implement 
or get people to focus on simultaneously. So um, that's another item that we're, that we're really pushing clients on. Uh, day one's a big one. You know, it's been something that everyone wants to do or likes the idea of. But if you're changing the application process, you know, there are many lenders that think that it's, it's more of a, uh, you know, a borrower interface, borrower exchange uh, item than uh, an operational item. Well, if that's the case, then utilize this time to build your day one plan or process into your early transition. Yeah. And I would just add that Matchbox um, has a variety of clients uh, across uh, various sizes even um, and can bring the best practices uh, to your organization. Appreciate the responses. Yeah, it's such a unique perspective, you know, in thinking of Erla as opposed to this burdensome task on the organization is an actual opportunity to really streamline, uh, you know, a lot of internal systems or deliberately the uh, LOS functionality. Um, yeah. Another qu question I've got here, does Matchbox work only with Encompass or LMA clients or do you cover and support other LOS? Uh, we primarily support Encompass, um, but for the most part, um, the reason our ability to support clients um, for the Encompass standpoint is because we are able to develop within that system. So we can help clients and other LOSs um, from a guidance and project management perspective, but in most cases, we don't have the ability to develop or the flexibility to develop like we do in Encompass. So from a project oversight or you know, guidance on, you know, potentially the questions you should be asking your LOS or POS provider, we are happy to provide that service as well. Excellent. Appreciate it. Just a reminder to attendees, we've got about eight minutes left here. So feel free to continue to submit any questions that you've got for Frank and Michael through the uh, chat or Q&A function, and I will queue those up on your behalf. Um, the question I have here, you know, would you recommend or is there a certain starting point that you might recommend for a lender, I guess, to kickstart their EARLA implementation preparedness kind of game plan or process? Yeah, so uh, so there's a couple of ways to look at it and there's a couple of options for it. Um, there are, the agencies are offering a, uh, a pilot phase called the limited production phase um, where you can apply to the agencies uh, for approval and be able to submit uh, test loans in, in 19 um, and get fully ready for EARLA and go live on January 1. Um, it's by approval and you have to get submitted and you can go through that process. And we're working with some clients that are doing that. Um, so that's option A. That, so that's if you wanted to get a head start on it, um, you know, there, we have some clients that have a year-end code freeze that are concerned about um, starting on January 1 and have not having any, any ability to work through November and December on, the, on their systems. So they're entering that phase to have it all fully wrapped up and hit the ground running on January 1. Um, additionally, I, I don't know if anyone on the call is in the, is in the uh, market for transitioning LOSs, but um, another item that we've been advising clients on is if you are looking to transition to, to a new LOS, you should be utilizing early and looking at the timeline to switch um, to ensure that you're fully onboarded and implemented on your new LOS by the March 1st deadline. Because it, so 
the benefit to that would be your new LOS would be solely Erla based and programmed and you and nothing to do with the 1003. But then also you won't have to support, you know, the Erla programming and all the conversions that we just went through on your legacy LOS as well. So you could basically split your two systems by saying my legacy LOS is going to be my 1003 business and my new LOS is going to be my Erla business. And it's a good hard cut and it's a good transition transitional process and ultimately um, have will save people pain and heartache uh, in the process. Uh, that's a really another really interesting unique <clears throat> take break that I hadn't even thought about as well as you know what a great starting point if you're you know already down the line of looking to transition LOS is to set yourself up for success going directly into the new Erla format. <laughs> you know, as opposed to doing some uh, double lifting, if you will, and, and kind of managing that during the transition, you know, in 2021 in the early portion. So that's a, another uh, unique perspective as well. Yeah. Um, a question I have here, kind of same church, different pew. Um, you know, what would be an effective timeline for a mortgage lender to start enacting their game plan uh, in preparation for the early transition? Yesterday. <laughs> Honestly, <laughs> as soon as possible. Um, you're looking at quite a, a lot of time for uh, analyzing your system, changing your system to handle all of the new fields, the, the new process. Um, and then you have to do user acceptance testing, making sure everything is working correctly, getting people familiar with the system we're really running out of real estate uh, before March 1st. Yeah. This I, is not something you want to put to the very end. I fully agree. And like TRID and why I'm comparing it to TRID is um, there's a lot of pieces of the puzzle, potentially even more because I think there are more players involved um, in terms of clients using more um, counterparties in their tech stack. You know, when TRID rolled around, you basically had your LOS uh, and your doc providers. Those were the two big impacts that you had to really take, take into consideration. Um, now you have people working. You have to think about, um, you know, your POS, your CRM, your LOS, your PPE, your doc provider, potentially, uh, your data warehouse, your BI tool, um, your uh, downstream vendors, warehouses, subservicers, servicers, with people are selling to the agencies now. Um, so all your subservices are going to have an impact. So there's a much different, it's a much different environment, a much different time, and a much more, uh, much, many more components that you have to pull all together and make sure that they're all in sync and do end to end testing. So from that perspective, um, to Michael's point, you know, you can't start quick enough. Excellent. Um, another question here. There was a mention that uh, parents may not want their kids to see their information. Is there a requirement that disclosures must be set separately to a maker, co-maker, or co-signer? No, I was referring to the additional borrower form, and that is an optional form. So there, there's no requirement for that. 
Thank you for the clarification, Michael. And then the last question I have here in the queue is, um, you know, you referenced, Frank, some of the the agency testing uh, opportunities available to lenders out there out in front of January 1st. A, does Matchbox, um, as part of your Encompass support, offer similar ERLA-based testing um, as part of that playbook process to get uh, prepared for March 1st? Yeah, we, we're building test scripts for, for clients based on the business model. That's part of the offering. And then the second part to that question is, you know, is there a time frame from your perspective in front of March 1st, uh, in front of March 1st, that's a good place to be in for a lender to be conducting that testing, you know, with a firm like Matchbox or, or you know, you mentioned the agencies prior to the end of the year. Um, but if they don't take advantage of that opportunity just to be effectively prepared for March 1. Well, I, I mean, look, and I'm having these conversations with my clients now. So I think that uh, 2020 has been a different year for a lot of reasons. So I think the year end of this year is going to be different for a lot of reasons. Um, I think that there's going to be a lot of pent up vacation. I think there's going to be people who have had a really good year and want to take some time off, well-deserved. So if people are looking to year end as being the time to catch up, so to speak, I think you're going to have a lot of people, vendors, and counterparties just not available. So even though you may have all your your cards lined up, um, you may, you know, other people may not be lined up to to meet with you. Um, so from my perspective, um, I mean, I would have all your programming done. I would have all your everything ready by year end, so that you can you can start um, testing on January one. And then go live anytime before March 1, if I was advising anyone. I would say I would have everything ready to go. I would have your full foundational plan and documents and updates done by January 1 so that you can hit the ground running on January and do your testing and then go live when you're, um, when you're ready. What I think is going to happen, most people are going to wait until January 1 and think you have two months and, and then be up against the gun and go live premature and have to go be forced to go live prematurely. Which, if you're thinking you're going to have be able to do that, you know, if this world has provided us anything, is to expect the unexpected. Who knows what's going to happen in January, February? That is so true, um, and, and just a shameless plug here for you, Frank. I mean. You're exactly right. There's there's uh, no time better than the present to really you know take a consultative approach with different partners that you work with, like a Matchbox, to kind of examine the organization and your tech stack as a whole um, to really start thinking about mapping out now all the considerations and updates necessary to to be positioned, you know, to be ready to roll uh, March one and instead of you know, being up against the clock on that, um, you know, leveraging a firm like yours, there's going to be considerations likely that lenders aren't thinking of that certainly uh, have an effect or are central to preparedness for ERLA. Um, so, yeah, that's my call to action out there. Don't hesitate to lean on the partners and providers out there, uh, you know, that are working firsthand with fellow lenders that can kind of provide their perspective on um, 
all the things encompassing that you really need to consider when uh, you know taking on Erla. Thank you, Tom. Appreciate that. Uh, Thank you. Really Anytime. Appreciate <laughs> the collaborative support. Well, just one last uh, part. As always. You know we're running sure. out of time. Um, any um, anybody who's thinking that you know you have a person running this process, um, you know this requires a team of people with you know team of subject matter experts to making sure that that you're connecting all the dots. Um, you can't have one person in an organization that's going to know all the intricacies of the operational impacts, technology impacts, and uh, compliance impacts and workflow impacts. Um, that's not going to be able to do it. You really need a team to do this. And I strongly recommend that if you haven't put that team together, at a minimum, you should start doing thinking about that. Yeah, fantastic point. It really does take a village when, uh, you know, taking on an update like this, just thinking back to firsthand experience when Shred rolled out a few years back. Um, you can never be too out in front. Yeah. Right. Well, excellent. Well, Frank, Frank, Michael, thank you so much for you taking the time out of your schedules again and the invaluable insights and, and you know, really kind of peeling back the hood under everything it's going to take for an organization to be fully prepared for uh, this early implementation. I thought it was extremely insightful today. So uh, much appreciated to you both and uh, especially to our attendees as well for taking the time out to listen today. And we'll definitely con uh, communicate uh, direct contact information for uh, both Michael and Frank and our follow-up correspondence uh, from this discussion tomorrow because you want to reach out directly and I have a consultation around, uh, you know, being prepared for early yourself. Thank you. Thank you all. Appreciate it. Thanks so much. Well, on that note, have a great afternoon, everybody, and stay well. For more information about how you can get involved with TMC Connect and witness the power of the network firsthand, please visit us at mortgagecollaborative.com.